Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our Old Testament reading, we have a story that seems very familiar, or at least parallel, to the creation of Adam. You'll recall in Genesis chapter 2, God had formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, but it was not until God breathed into him the breath of life that Adam became a living being. Now, it's really important to notice, or note, when in Genesis 2, God speaks of breathing into Adam the breath of life, the Hebrew word that stands behind that word breath is the word for spirit, as in God's Holy Spirit. This, by the way, is where we get the term inspiration, when we talk about how the scriptures are breathed out by God, but that's for another time. In Ezekiel 37, our Old Testament reading, God had told the prophet in a vision to speak to these bones that were laying on the surface of a valley. They were dead. He emphasizes the dryness of the bones. They're, they're, they're scattered all over the place. There's no life there. And God asks, can these bones live? Oh, God, you know. And so God told the prophet to prophesy, to speak to these bones, that they should reassemble, that they should regrow muscles and skin and all the stuff that they need inside their bodies to become living beings. Now, of course, it's God's word that the prophet is here preaching, showing that God's word does what it says. But when the bones are all put back together and all the flesh is covering everything that's inside, the dead are still laying there on the surface of the valley, still, well, dead. God then commanded the prophet and he said to prophesy to the breath that it would go into these slain bodies as they lay on the surface of the valley, that they would again live. Again, the Hebrew word standing behind that word breath is the same word for spirit, as in, again, the Holy Spirit. We see from these two passages that God's breathing carries with it the Holy Spirit. God doesn't breathe because he needs to get oxygen into his blood and then carry it around his body. It's not as if God will suffocate without breathing. God breathes in order that he would breathe out his spirit. Now, the inverse is not necessarily true. Without God breathing his Holy Spirit on us, it's not that we would suffocate, but it is that we are dead without him breathing on us. Adam was lifeless without God's spirit breathed into his nostrils. The slain in Ezekiel's vision were also dead without God's spirit breathing into them. So what exactly is our Lord Jesus doing then? In the gospel reading. Well, John writes, And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. With his breath, Jesus is bestowing life back into his disciples. They had sinned against Jesus by abandoning him, and in Peter's case, by denying him. They had sinned in that they did not believe the word that Jesus had spoken to them about his death and then subsequent resurrection. And they certainly didn't believe the angels at the tomb or the women who witnessed the angels' message who came and reported what they had seen and heard at the tomb. They'd locked themselves into this upper room because they didn't really believe that Jesus was in fact raised from the dead. Remember what we said about that last week? That the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. We no longer need to be afraid of anything as Christians because Jesus is raised from the dead. And yet, here they were, locked behind these doors so that Jesus must come and breathe new life into these men. The words, peace be with you, are words of absolution. They're words of forgiveness. God, with these words, has forgiven all of the disciples all of their sins. By all rights, before this, they were dead. Spiritually, they were dead in that they lacked the faith and courage that must flow from the resurrection. Apart from faith in the resurrected Jesus, they were bound for physical death as well. As the Apostle Paul says, the wages of sin is death. And so, Jesus breathes new life into these apostles with this forgiveness of sins, with these words, peace be with you. But Jesus is doing more than just breathing life into these ten men who are gathered on the very first Easter evening. He's doing more than breathing life into these disciples. He's also giving them their marching orders. He is commissioning them to carry that word of forgiveness from there to the ends of the earth. And with these words... Jesus is establishing the office of the keys, the apostolic ministry that would go on into the end of time, where Jesus gives that special authority to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. This office... Christ's office is established here in order to breathe life into repentant sinners down to our own day. Dear friends in Christ, our Lord Jesus has commanded that the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name. The absolution is not something that's needed for the hyper-spiritual or for those who are really bad in their sins, the absolution is needed by all. For by it, 
God breathes his Holy Spirit into each person who receives this word in faith. The absolution brings life to the one who is dead in his trespasses, and it gives the Holy Spirit to the one who hears it. In short, the absolution is not optional for us as Christians. We need the absolution as much as we need to breathe in and out of our lungs. In the large catechism, Martin Luther writes, when I urge you to go to confession, I'm doing nothing else than urging you to be a Christian. If I have brought you to the point of being a Christian, I have thereby also brought you to confession. For those who really desire to be true Christians, to be rid of their sins, and have a cheerful conscience, already possess the true hunger and thirst. The reason Lutherans have practiced and continue to practice confession and absolution, both here in the divine service, what we did just a little bit ago, and privately before the pastor, is so that we might have this cheerful conscience before our God in heaven. For when God breathes his Holy Spirit into us and he forgives us our sins, we know that we are forgiven, not because of what we have done and because of what we have said, but because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and because of what he has said to us here in the absolution when he tells us our sins are forgiven. He says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. Now, some might say that confession is good for the soul because it airs out the dirty laundry. I suppose that psychologists can debate that one and get back to us later on. But the real reason that confession is good for the soul is because by the absolution that is spoken after the confession, when it's spoken to us by Christ's apostolic ministers, it really does forgive sins. So when you said earlier that you were a sinner and you pleaded for God's mercy, and then when I said to you that your sins are indeed forgiven, it was true because Jesus said it, and because he has also commanded me to say it to you. But even more so, the absolution is linked also to the suffering and death of Jesus. You may recall the very first words that Jesus spoke to us from the cross when he cried out, Father, forgive them. As he neared his death, Jesus was there acting as our high priest, bringing himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins and offering himself up to the Father in our place. When Jesus died, the scriptures make the point to tell us that he breathed his last and then gave up his spirit. He breathed out his spirit upon a dying world that through his breathing out, we might have life in him. So this is why, in your confession of sins this morning, you held up Jesus' suffering and his innocent death in your plea for forgiveness. 
This is why God has answered your plea by telling you that your sins are forgiven. And by that word, that word of absolution, God has breathed into you his spirit and his forgiveness upon you. So, dear saints, I say to you, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.